0: We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is produced, the Wajak Noongar people, and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Well, Courtney. Hello. Here we are remotely again, um, and we've just had the pleasure of chatting with Professor Marco Filasca from Curtin University.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting conversation, so I'm sure everyone's going to enjoy it. But a very quick summary to start off this podcast. Uh, We get to talk about uh, cannabis, uh, cannabidoid, is it cannabidoid?
0: so cannabinoids Cannabinoid, that's compounds. it. and, and, he, and he, refers to, he refers to something called cannabidiol or canna, oh, cannabidiol. Oh, that's right, yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: That yeah, along just, with uh, prostate cancer and obesity and all of the potential benefits, which is really, really yeah. interesting.
0: Yeah, I think it was pancreatic cancer was the main one.
1: Yes, what did I say? Talking
0: about. Did I say prostate? Prostate. Oh, I meant, it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's not a million miles away from the pancreas. They both but, start with yeah. P, you know,
1: that's, that's where <laughs> I'm at at uh, a... 10 30 in the morning you, so.
0: <laughs> I think your Freudian slip was justified because Marco did say that some of, a lot of the stuff he is working on he thinks could translate well to other cancers yes not just pancreatic cancer that's so, right
1: yeah so I, yeah that, that's yeah. exactly what happened I was thinking about the broader implications um
0: <laughs> yeah but without giving too much away we'll let Marco tell you a bit more and we'll be back for a bit of a recap at the end Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us on the podcast, Marco.
2: Thank thank you for inviting me. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's great. And uh, I think we're going to have a really interesting chat today about some of the work you're doing on different types of therapies, uh, some of them involving cannabinoids, um, which I think people will find really interesting because it's a real emerging area. Um, But just before we do that, your accent doesn't sound like it's from these parts. So do you want to give us a bit (laughs) of a a, a breakdown of of where you've come from and um, maybe some of the places you've worked at?
2: yeah I'm yeah, um, originally from Italy so um, but I've been traveling uh, uh, around the world actually most of my um, you know occupation work would been far from Italy so um, because I did my postdoctoral studies in New York uh, cool. where I think this was uh, very defining moment in my career because it was I really felt to be at the top <laughs> so mm-hmm. big group uh, famous uh, famous people Professor was my um, group leader, and uh, yeah, it was fantastic experience um, at the Department of Pharmacology of New York University. It was right in the first avenue, so it was fantastic. <laughs> mm. And um, yeah, then start my own group um, in in uh, London, uh, University College London, also a big institution. So it was. Um, um, yeah, it was again a good uh, progression of my career and um, in, in, on Tottenham Court Road, so central London, mm-hmm. University Street. It was uh, yeah, it's a beautiful moment, beautiful, beautiful experience. And uh, so at the Department of Medicine, and then I got my full professorship at the Queen Mary University of London in 2007. So then I moved to East London. Uh, or better, Whitechapel, so <laughs> so it, it was a bit uh, a change from central London to Whitechapel, but still, it was London, it was a great experience and uh, a f- fantastic building, the Blizzard building, it's famous for its uh, architecture, so it, it was, um, it was yeah, good to be there. And then in 2014, the big jump to Australia, So, um, so, yeah um attractive opportunity beautiful weather and you know yeah. always had my you know australia in my mind so then I, yeah moving 2014 and here i am so yeah. and uh, yeah i've been always working on different field but related to lipid metabolism cannabinoids in particular yeah Actually, I started many years ago working on specific lipids that have a structure that um, I always thought were cannabinoid-like, but at the moment, you know, it was the beginning of the cannabinoid field, but now they are uh, considered part of the extended family of cannabinoids. So this is uh, the term I like, because what started to be just few molecules is now getting more and more appreciated That is a more larger family.
0: Mm. Okay. And when you came over here, you did you, have you always been at Curtin University or did you go yes, somewhere yes, else? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I
2: moved to Curtin. and I'm still there. Yes.
0: Okay. Well, it seems like Australia is a popular destination for a lot of your countrymen as well, because we have a lot of Italian people <laughs> yeah.
2: here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially in Perth. And actually, <laughs> Perth is, um, there's a big colony from my own area in, in Italy, Abruzzo. So it's... Okay. In a way, I feel at home. <laughs> what, what, what
0: part of what Italy is that we about? We're a,
2: Abruzzo is the um, center east. Okay. So the other side compared to Rome.
0: Okay. No, very good. Yeah. <laughs> so you feel, <laughs> you feel, at, home feel at home here? Yes, yes. Oh, that's, that's great. great. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so start, starting out with, with going back to when you first started studying, what, where did you start in, like, in terms of your interests and how did you arrive where you are now?
2: yeah look of course it's a long journey and um, I started working on lipids lipid metabolism when I started lipids were just considered as you know inert constituent of the cells they not big uh, consideration is it it was all about protein and but it was near in in the 90s became to you know, um, to be appreciated that these lipids have other roles, not just like building block of the cells, but having an active role inside the cells by activating messages, by having key role in, in signal transduction, the messages between cells or inside cells. So, and then it was, um, I was particularly attracted by a lipid that uh, um, it's, it's um, I'm still working on it because that's you know at the time was unknown the big uh, uh, it was uh, not known what was the receptor so the big turning point for me was 2000, 2007 when the receptor for this lipid was identified as the putative cannabinoid receptor what was considered the cannabinoid receptor 3 so you know there are two main cannabinoid receptors called cannabinoid receptor 1 cannabinoid receptor 2 but it was soon um, noted that cannabinoids can activate other uh, receptor other activities and this is why people started to look for alternative receptor and this is why the family extended because when the the other receptor were identified and other ligand for this receptor was also identified so and in particular uh, you know because of the uh, cannabis activity on psychotropic activity, people were looking at the brain. But my previous research was mostly cancer, was a bit different, more in the periphery, not in the in the on the brain. And uh, I I was the very first to look at the cancers expression of this receptor. Indeed, we found that uh, This receptor is found in in cancer cells, and from there we move to all the activity we are currently doing because then we also, I always said, it's interesting in cancer but also on uh, metabolism and obesity and diabetes. Therefore, we look at the gastrointestinal tract in the pancreas for the expression of this receptor. So this is in a way, the journey we had from the um, you know, early discovery of a lipid with the potential similarity with cannabinoids to the identification of the receptor and then move to cancer and obesity.
1: Okay, so if we just backtrack a little bit, um, I will wholeheartedly admit that my uh, information and knowledge on receptors and cells is very very poor. Um, so what exactly do cannabinoid receptors do?
2: Yeah so um, yeah I've been uh, <laughs> I've gone too, too fast probably. Um, <laughs> yes the, the uh, look the we know that uh, I think we need to discuss about the distinction of cannabinoids because we all know cannabinoids are present in cannabis and these are should be called phytocannabinoids because they come from plants. So and the uh, phytocannabinoids most known are cannabidiol or CBD and tetrahydrocannabidiol THC and the last one THC is the one known for its activity on the brain and all the the, the uh, effect that people look after for the recreational use. So and and let's say that the starting point was this um, interest in investigating the activity of this feature cannabinoid. try to understand what was the receptor, what was the mechanism of these uh, components planned, uh, be, uh, pr- present in cannabis inactivated uh, response in the brain. So that was the starting point. And, um, and that was instrumental in finding the receptor. I mean, these phytocannabinoids are able to activate specific molecules in our brain, for instance, that recognize specifically these phytocannabinoids. So then people later on in, in, identified the receptor for these phytocannabinoids, and they found cannabinoids inside, inside our brain that activates this receptor. And these were called endocannabinoids. So they are present in our brain. They're, they have a similar activity to the phytocannabinoids and they're mediating important messages inside our brain. So the endocannabinoids uh, mediates many, many activities, it's not just in our brain, the people later on in found that this receptor and this endocannabinoids are present in other part of the body and they're mediating many activity, also in immune cells, in the gastrointestinal tract, so on and so forth. So, and of course, these um, stimulated interest in for pharmacological potential of these molecules and therefore people try to mimic to synthesize molecules similar to phytocannabinoids and endocannabinoids by producing synthetic cannabinoids so the mm-hmm. the major three classes are phytocannabinoids, endocannabinoids and synthetic cannabinoids yeah
0: okay and so the i'm assuming where this going is? You're looking to isolate certain cannabinoids and see if they have a a certain impact on the body rather than looking at the whole plant. Is that that right? Uh,
2: In a way, both. In a way, both. Because, of course, you need to... The process was from the plant going back to single molecule say which specific to try to identify which specific molecule is responsible for the high for the activity of the brain for the euphoria for all this activity and of course that l- led to the identification of THC but um, later on people um, realized realize that it is not just THC is not CBD but there are around 100 100 20 uh, cannabinoids or phytocannabinoids present in cannabis and together with this component there are uh, phytocannabinoids that are around 500 molecules so in cannabis with some potential interesting activity so therefore it's a bit back and forth because then people say oh yes this is the molecule responsible for secretivity, but what about, you know, pharmacological activity is better to use isolated cannabinoids or extract. It's better to have extract enriched in these cannabinoids or the other cannabinoids. So this is the, 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 the research at the moment. Of course, the stigma that uh, surround can, cannabinoids and cannabis is not helping. Because, you know, I think it's, uh, I personally found very fascinating from a scientific point of view, the field of cannabinoids, and cannabinoids is very fascinating and there's a lot to learn, and a lot to um, exploit for pharmacological purposes. That is, uh, uh, but I think it's uh, slightly um, changing, so uh, it's more and more getting appreciated the fact that uh, this field of research uh, is, is very promising.
1: Absolutely, and when um, uh, because a number of countries now have cannabis legalized as well, so that research would be almost booming, right? When it, now that it's legal in some areas, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh,
2: because one thing, the problem is when you, um, you know, there are there are problems linked to the. For instance, if if the um, One of the big problems is the quality of the product Mm. you have. This -hmm. is a big, big problem because maybe you're going to test product, extract or even cannabinoids, what is claimed to be pure cannabinoids that in in reality are not. So there's a big necessity to have a, a very strong regulated market so that you know what you're using, you know what you're testing. And you know what you're using in patients, for instance. Even more importantly, so therefore legalization it's it's important on this perspective. And of course, we call about we talk about medicinal cannabis, not recreational use. But you know, medicinal cannabis has at the moment um, a lot of potential and actual um, usage for for patients for different pathologies. And uh, I think it's um, there's more. To, to, to learn in this field.
0: Mm. I, th- I think that distinction between uh, recreational and medicinal use sometimes gets a bit blurred as well, because there are people who would be using cannabis unprescribed because they find it helps them with certain issues, you know, whether it's anxiety or sleep disorders or something like that, but they haven't been prescribed it. But it's almost like there's a lot of trial and error going on just in the general community. Um, and I think that's possibly a bit of a missed opportunity for research because, you know, those people could be participating in trials, couldn't they?
2: Yeah, but I think this is why it's important to have, um, you know, legalisation and, you know, approval of the use because then, you know, most of these problems come from the fact that the patients cannot get prescription of the medicine if they want to use cannabis. And I have to say there are so many doctors uh, GPS they have no idea what cannabis say. Oh they say, oh my God, no, no. <laughs> it's, mm. um, it's a problem. I think it's um, um, again, it's the stigma, uh, but it's in another sense, I think we need more scientific dignity for this field. We need more research, we need more um, facts to, to, to you know present to doctor, to physician, to GPS, uh, prescribers so that they know what we are there using.
1: Um, yeah, as Craig said, cannabis is uh, potentially good for you know sleep disorders. I've heard for seizures, um, anxiety, things like that. But you said that there's potential for um, cannabis or cannabis-related things um, are good for potentially obesity and cancer. Yes. How does that work?
2: Yeah. Um, of course, again, um, you know, the research, um, you know, from one side there is ignorance, the other side are people say, yeah, okay, for minor condition it's okay, but not <laughs> cancer, not big condition. <laughs> Why not? So our research started from cancer, actually, because, you know, the, the, the very fact that I'm interested in this uh, um, area of research is the fact that we identify one of these receptors in cancer cells, and this lipid, Uh, Endocannabinoid like lipid, uh, you know, as activity in cancer cells. And this is more than 10 years investigating this (laughs) particular lipid. So, and um, the idea was can we block the activity of this lipid that is hyperactivated in cancer cells by using, uh, and this receptor by using specific molecules antagonists? And it turns out to be that cannabidiol is an antagonist for this receptor and it works very well. So, it's um, now known for to us, and has been published, uh, uh, it's now quite a few years that we know that, and it works very well. So, the problem is, the big problem is, being a natural substance is very difficult to test in, in trials. So, we're trying to start this trial. There is interest. Um, so, it, it, but it's, it's very difficult, it's very difficult, because no one is investing in natural substance. <laughs> so, uh, as simple as that. But it works very well, and it's um, in our model, in very aggressive model of pancreatic cancer, for instance, it works, it works well. And there is also you know, isolated patients, there are patients using this, this uh, product with uh, good results. But of course, we need clinical trials. Not anecdotal uh, evidence. We need clinical trials that definitely prove that we are right. So, yep. and we know pancreatic cancer, for instance, is very aggressive, and it's one of the models we're using, and it works. So, and you know, would be of course. I'm not saying that it's a cure, but we 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 know that. Uh, improve the activity of the chemotherapy and so we can have a better survival we can have give more hope and better quality of life to patients yeah
0: okay
1: yeah so it almost would um eat like stop or slow down the growth rate of the cancer
2: yes oh, we're talking yeah. about very aggressive tumours. so yes. and it's um Um, Normally, the majority of patients survive because they can undergo surgery because the tumor has been detected early. So, and therefore, it's very difficult to to talk about, you know, curative solution for this tumor. But still, there are people that even without surgery, with the chemotherapy, survive. And, you know, uh, with this aggressive cancer, you need to have more weapon. You need to have more treatments and you know this is just another treatment and improve the therapy and improve the therapy can be used in patients with a very advanced stage of the disease to improve the not only the uh, counteractive tumor growth but also to improve the side effects the pain Mm, the mm -hmm. you know it's quality of life that is very important with that we should consider as well
0: so there's a couple of really interesting things there that i wanted to pick up on um so the first is uh that you talk about it being used in combination with other treatments like chemotherapy. Yes. So, so it runs alongside, alongside those. those. Do, do you have some sense of what the difference is in terms of the percentage of people who recover versus those who don't, who if they don't get the cannabis therapy?
2: Look, it's if we talk about people, as I say, we haven't done it, trial yet so we have no number we have no evidence on people so um we expect to have a good response based on the fact that we know the receptor that is uh, blocked by cannabidiol for instance is expressed in many patients so we do expect a large portion of patients will respond keep in mind it's um, the, the therapy is used now currently, or one of the therapy mostly used in pancreatic cancer patients. And this is happening in our model and mm-hmm. in humans. So not all the patients, less than 50% have a good response. So very few patients have a very good response. Some have so-so, but there are many patients that don't respond. So this is normal in, 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 in um, cancer therapy. So it's not, it's very difficult to have a therapy that. You know, stop all of them and cure or treat. You have a treatment and response in all of them.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, what what is the study that is showing these promising signs? Is it on animal models or where? Is so it
2: what kept? we have done is mostly animal model. In particular, we used a very advanced model, a very aggressive model that animal model that spontaneously developed pancreatic cancer. So therefore the disease is very similar to human disease and and, and so that we can compare different treatments and we can tell, you know, what we're looking at, it's very uh, remarkable and it's, uh, uh, if translated in human, would be a a remarkable uh, finding and improvement in the treatment of this patient. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit more than just an animal model. So it's, uh, it's a transgenic model that spontaneously developed the pancreatic cancer and therefore it's it's a, it's a very difficult uh, tumor progression to tackle even if it's a terminal model for. so uh,
1: as you said um, the next step is a clinical trial yeah. so where are you on that progression
2: I, we have designed the it's careful. already uh, next week i'm yeah. traveling to italy <laughs> discussing with uh, there with people interested in, in doing this trial we we hope to have uh, um, as i said big hurdle is the big obstacle now is the fact that, you know, being a natural substance, it involves costs. Mm -hmm. It involves costs. And to propose this as, if you propose this as um, um, just mild treatment for uh, quality of life and for pain, people will accept it. But if you say, no, I want to do a treatment, high dose, uh, it's safe, it's absolutely safe. We know it's safe. And we won't do it because we know it stands in survival. We know it's potentiating chemotherapy. So it become very difficult to to propose this, to let the community accept this fact, because mm. it's a fact. So we know it's working, it's been published, we've been peer reviewed. It's not just a, a quick, uh, you know, fact that we proposing, it's, it's something, that I think um, we need, we need. It's about time to to test. You know, mm. even if it's negative, we need it. So once for all, we say it's not working, <laughs> or it yeah, is working. Absolutely. So we need that. <laughs> so I'm not saying it's absolutely. I'm sure it's working, but mm. you know, it's uh, it's. This is the way we go with other drugs, with other treatment. Why not here? We're not testing this drug. So. Mm. Okay.
0: So I, I had a. Big- question that's come up a couple of times that it's difficult to get people to in to i guess companies to invest in development of natural therapies um do you just want to
2: talk us through why that is what, oh it's why very th- simple because there is no profit <laughs> okay <So> normally <laughs> normally people invest in drugs because then there is profit it it's normal it's the look it's the, the it's the low at the market so you invest yeah. in mo- you know there are investors that invest in the molecule because if this is walking, it, you, you, you know, you one day you get profit from, from it, so of course yeah. we don't get any profit. <laughs> and <laughs> um, But this is a problem, because it's, uh, you know, especially for molecules like this, and let me tell you one thing, it does not involve a huge amount of money to test drug like this, because it's a very simple, so what we're proposing is, you know, we're not proposing to have patients not treated. We're proposing all the patients are treated with chemotherapy, one group without chemotherapy, our cannabidiol the other group plus cannabidiol so there are not ethical problem and we know it's not toxic we know there's no side effects or very mild mm-hmm. very minor side effects so in principle is a very um uh, it's a very easy trial and not very expensive trial but yet you, know, you need to find the money mm. to do it
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. so yeah and, so, and yeah, I think so the reason there's reason no money, money is because, to pay because money, you can't so patent so a pay. plant whereas you can patent yeah, indeed, a, a indeed. synthetic trial. so the yeah.
2: only hope is to find someone that has a special formulation of the drug that can be in a way protective so that they have some interest in funding mm. the, 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 the trial my personal opinion is all the field will benefit from a trial like this because, you know, if negative, it's good. Anyway, I, I mean, of course, it's not good. But, you know, <laughs> in in a, for, for, you know, the tractors of the cannabis is good because it's not working. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, but, you know, if, if it's working, you know, you can imagine that very safe and relatively cheap treatment will be available for a very aggressive disease that has very little to propose to patients. So that would be a big leap forward that uh, this is why I'm, I'm trying of course it's my you know it's my research I want to do it as soon as possible but it's for all for, for patients with pancreatic cancer but also other cancer can benefit from these treatments
0: hi we hope you're enjoying this episode if you have a minute and enjoy the conversations we bring you it'd be great if you could go to wherever you get your podcasts and give us a quick rating and review not only do we love to get your feedback but it also helps other people to find us Thank you, and now back to the show. As, with regards to funding, is, do you rely on funding from government agencies or how do you source your funding to do this work?
2: Uh, yeah, the, here in Australia, the big funder of my research was the Pancreatic Cancer Research Foundation. So we have... Mm-hmm. Uh, big. We had a big, big support from this uh, foundation, and it was instrumental for us to do all of the research. We're doing a lot of other research. We're looking at biomarker. I was dis- uh, discussing with Curtney before about our, um, you know, we uh, Royal Perth Hospital. We are isolating blood from pancreatic cancer patients to try to identify new markers, and this research has been funded by Pancreatic Cancer Research Foundation. And, of course, we, most of our cannabinoid research is funded by companies that are working on, the, on, on this space.
0: Mm-hmm. So just quickly on the biomarkers, in practice that would help us identify early on if someone's at risk, is that right?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah indeed. Especially for, you know, very aggressive cancer like pancreatic cancer but also ovarian cancer, the, to identify early. So pancreatic cancer is called the silent killer because by the time you realise you have something wrong, it's too late. So but for some patients this is not true that let's say the lucky one it's the one that they can identify patients very early when the tumor is confined to the pancreas so that they can be they can undergo surgery and they have um, uh, much higher chances to to, to survive so and therefore to identify uh, the the tumor early it's pivotal to to have a better outcome for patients and we are now looking at specific um, molecules running in our blood and try to to you know validate what we propose that can be a marker of uh, of cancer in particular pancreatic cancer so that we can do simple tests blood tests and say oh this is likely to have pancreatic cancer so it's very helpful.
1: What are the um, potential biomarkers that you're looking at? (laughs)
2: Uh, Of (laughs) course there is uh, some published work, there is a bit of secrecy here, but you know, um, we're focusing in particular on exosome or extracellular vesicles that are tiny bubbles that are released by old cells and in Mm -hmm. particular cancer cells. Cancer cells release much more of these bubbles. And uh, we specifically isolate from the rest of the blood, isolate this bubble. And look, we've done a comprehensive analysis of all the molecules. And this is why um, we have identified a few molecules that we believe are a potential marker. Hmm.
0: And I'm assuming the earlier you can start treatment, once you identify this, the greater the chance of survival.
2: Yes, of course. Of course. This is what I'm saying. Because the especially you know number one you can uh, um you can operate the the patients you can remove the tumor when it's still confined in in the pancreas so the big problem is metastasis the big problem is when this tumor starts spreading from the primary site in the pancreas and get into circulation, then the problem gets more and more complicated because when the the cancer cells go all all around the places and in pancreatic cancer, mostly liver and lung, then the the outcome of the patient is different. Mm. It is more difficult to tackle the tumor.
0: Yeah, there was a famous comedian, Bill Hicks, from America who died of pancreatic cancer. And I've heard of other sort of high-profile people who got it and I've never heard of anyone really surviving, to be honest.
2: Yeah, it's uh, look um, attending meeting and and uh, you know a group of uh, of pancreatic cancer research. I can tell you, I, I met many survivors. Okay. Uh, I know of people. Let me say people that use cannabis. So, so there are very surprising response uh, patients that responded very well to 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 the treatment. So it, it's uh, I can tell you, even though. You know, the message is this is a killer. It is a killer, but still, you know, the numbers, the crude numbers, there is around 10% of people survive. Mm-hmm. Still, it's, um, it's sling, hope, but it, it's there. Yeah. And it's yeah. increasing. When I started, let's say in, in 15 years ago, uh, it may be more, it was 3%, 3% wow. and it was yeah. very little research. So, and I, I like to say that the research, the biology knowledge we have now compared to then, it's much bigger. And this is translated in a better outcome of patients. And, you know, Western Australia has one of the highest uh, rates of survival in pancreatic cancer. So this is, uh, it's even above 10%. So this is good. If uh, It means good care together with, uh, with uh, good research uh, uh, as an impact on, on 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 this type of cancer, very aggressive cancer.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, um, so the reason you I came across your work, Marco, is I saw a story last week. I think it was about the potential use of cannabinoids to to treat obesity. Yeah. Do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on what that project is?
2: Yeah, as I said, historically I've been always interested in metabolism, and therefore metabolism and. You can apply this to cancer, you can apply this to diabetes and obesity and then always had this double, um, you know, uh, field of research running together. And not surprisingly, the, 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 you know, my focus, one of the main focus, this uh, lipid mediator of second messenger and endocannabinoid receptor are found in cancer cells, but they're also found in the gastrointestinal tract. And we found that these um, these uh, uh, receptor molecules are able to mediate the release of specific hormones that regulates the glucose uh, homeostasis in, in humans. So, and then the link with obesity is quite obvious. And even though I cannot go to details because again, <laughs> being a research by the, by a company and. From scientific point of view, again, you know, it's you need to keep this confidential. You need to keep mm-hmm. secret because you know of there is there is competition. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> it's good and bad. I am for the open communication of science, but it is what it is. Yeah. So is that that works
0: funded by a private company, is it?
2: Yeah, it's uh, Little Green Pharma. This specific work is funded by Little Green Pharma, and uh, yeah, it's um, I personally. found very uh, fascinating, this field of research, because in a way, uh, when we studied philosophy, you know, there was uh, uh, a philosopher saying, men are what they eat. That it (laughs) sounds funny at the moment, but now it's not so funny, because what we eat, if we think um, uh, lipids or carbohydrates or proteins, uh, depends on the type of food you eat, you can have a different response in your body, can influence your body enormously. And, uh, and the fall, this is the kind of work we start be doing. It's now quite a few years. So try to identify lipids that present in our diet and look at what the response in terms of hormones, insulin response is. And this is quite interesting because it's, uh, and it may explain a lot of things like you know, saturated or insaturated fatty acid. So mm, we understand why this is happening, why there's a difference, because the, the kind of response they do is completely different. So, and um, and then you start the, dissecting your intestine in different parts, so different part of the intestine, you have a different response, different release of hormones. So it's, it's. I found this very, very fascinating field of research.
0: Because hmm. the, traditionally there's been a real fear about, Fats and fatty acids and whatnot, you know, with
2: yeah indeed there was a bit of hysteria, with I because um, you know the the fat fat is bad uh, dogma in the seventies come from the early research on cholesterol. or oh, when I started my research I work on cholesterol, the effect of cholesterol in 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 uh, animal model and find a way to counteract the cholesterol. But it was soon started people to appreciate that fat is not just all bad. There are fat and fat, and this comes to my, you know, initial uh, observation around how lipids, how fat, how what you eat influence your response in your body and your health. So and uh, and therefore there were, there was initially this distinction between saturated fat, the bad fat or the more bad fat, to unsaturated, the natural, you know, olive oil avocado. So, and, uh, and, uh, you know, it, the, our knowledge around the uh, food composition and the fact on the body is changed enormously so this is why uh, maybe people have the impression oh the scientists one day say one thing they they have, <laughs> eggs are not good they have to say oh no it's not so <laughs> so yeah, it, the,
1: the eggs, eggs over time, time, time is one of my favorite stories because it's like eggs are amazing eat 20, 20 eggs a, day, a day, and day and then eat none a per week and then it's back like to like seven, seven a day <laughs> yeah it's a great story yeah
2: it's it's great great <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's true but it it yeah. parallels the knowledge and of, uh, 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 you know, science as its limit. And keep in mind, I like always to remember that science gives, uh, uh, you know, um, a picture of what is very likely happening, and not cent- certainty. It's not a religion. Science is not a religion. So <laughs> you have a partial explanation of the phenomena you're observing and uh, it can be different of each can change by time because you have different evidence of better models so or better way to see this phenomenon. So it's always important for scientists to remember that what you're doing, is a, a possible explanation of what's happening.
0: Yeah. And look, there's a lot of evidence out there in the world. If you look at countries like you know developed countries that have high carbohydrate and sugar kind of diets and convenience foods obviously diabetes has proliferated in those places and then if you go to sort of developing countries and undeveloped countries where their diets are a lot more natural just out of um, necessity because they don't have access to manufactured foods as much it seems like the the rates of diabetes and hypertension and some of these other conditions are much lower in those places so it's yeah
2: yeah indeed this what what may seem a paradox it's reality because it's uh, only uh, he reflect the fact that there's a poor diet. So poor diet doesn't mean um, uh, a diet with little food. It, it means now no longer in certain areas still is a reality. But the big problem is poor diet means uh, uh, a lot of the carburet- carbohydrate, a, a lot of bad food. So mm. junk or even junk food. So this unfortunately is the reality. So the calorie come from the wrong foods
1: so is the overall um end goal I guess of the research you're doing with this company is to just create like a almost like a, in quotes, diet pill? Or,
2: what? yeah, what's the end goal? Yeah, I think what I like to say is our approach is a bit different. So, so far, the pills used for, you know, in, in obesity, um, all of them had problem. So, some of them work on the same pathway, on the cannabinoids uh, pathway, other in other pathway, but most of them work on the brain. And unfortunately, all of them come with side effects. So there was the, the famous cast, the Ramona band was a drug working on the cannabinoid receptor one, and it, it, it works very well. Unfortunately, there were some side effects, there suicidal thoughts, and there were some patients that... So, Long story short, the drug was discontinued. It was a big setback in the field. So, and therefore the urgency in this field is try to find molecules that works all, only in the gastrointestinal tract. So this is our approach. We want drugs that work only on the gastrointestinal tract with no um, brain implication. So only in the periphery. So this is the big difference. The other important thing we want to harness nature. We want to mimic what ha- normally happen in nature. This is why my interest is in studying how these organisms what happen in normal condition. Olive oil what happened when you give olive oil to to animals or patients what happened in in term of release of hormones and what impact has in the health of, of of people so and this goes to then find the remedy that is something that is mimicking these and you can put in a pill or whatever you want to to use it so and um, so this is the big difference I think it's in a way it's uh, uh, it's uh, very Original and probably unique compared to other treatments, and uh, uh, you know, we hope to get. It. <laughs> so, of course, it's uh, it potentially could be uh, affordable, and remedy can be used by all. So, um, this is what we hope because we're talking about chronic usage, chronic treatment. So, you need to have affordable treatments. Mm-hmm. And
0: without giving any secrets away is there a particular compound that you're looking at or is it the whole the whole plant or the, the, all uh, the
2: No we, of course we started with some compound we are a few of them that we are more interested in than other and uh, we're doing a complex we're not just looking at one so I hope I'm not disclosing, <laughs> but it's uh, <laughs> uh, to know the complexity of the physiology is very important because then you can uh, harness this complexity and find the right remedy, the right compounds or compounds. <laughs> so, and and this is the approach we're using, but of course, the there are, there are one consideration to keep in mind, long-term treatment. What's happened, and here, in a bit, our work with the animal model of cancer helps us a lot because we treat it with strong dose of different cannabinoids and combination of cannabinoids, uh, cancer model, and we know they are safe. Apart from THC, if you use THC at higher concentration, even mice get high. <laughs> yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. So just to use this cannabis and obesity project as an example, are you are you at like stage one in the, the trial type process or where whereabouts yeah. are you?
2: Yeah, it's we're still in the preclinical phase because we need to when we talk about compounds means that you need to compare all of them and try to identify which is the best formulation to use. So we're still in that stage. But the good news is being a natural compounds, the translation in clinics, in trials is pretty fast. And this is the good thing. Look, when I did my when I my did my cancer study, uh, uh, I've decided to use cannabidiol, you know, point on cannabidiol for anti cancer activity rather than synthetic compounds for the simple reason: cannabidiol is natural. If it's working, you can go to trials immediately. That was my <laughs> mm-hmm. idea, and unfortunately, it was wrong because it's in a way wrong because you know there is no interest. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, but, you know, still to, um, you know, I can tell you, I've tested my, many of these synthetic compounds and most of the time, this specific wonder drug, most of the time they come with the side effects, sometimes severe. So mm-hmm. it's, um, it's for, for pharmacologists, these are things you need to consider. So the, the, the nano uh, Fento, uh, wonder <laughs> drugs uh, sometimes, uh, you know, come with a lot of side effects that, uh, you know, the company like to say, oh, it's good. There's no side effects. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, th- there was a, a really interesting and, and noteworthy point in that In that, with research in general, and I think it, this doesn't necessarily just apply to your research, but kind of research in general is that people have to be interested and willing to put money up to do the research. Yeah, of course. Um, And that's something that affects all research projects. And I think a lot of people need to remember that in that maybe something hasn't been done because you can't get funding, even if it's a very, very good idea. Um, Yeah, so I just thought I wanted to highlight that because it's it's such an important part of research.
2: Yeah, I think this is a very important aspect because research is very expensive. And it's getting very very more and more expensive and in it you know, you need fund. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) As simple as that. And otherwise you can have the most fantastic idea, and idea in the world but if you don't have funds you're going nowhere <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah if no one cares it doesn't matter
0: <laughs> yeah just it takes so much time there's obviously all the approval processes there's the clinical expenses the lab- laboratory expenses obviously the expertise um, that costs money as well um, but this area seems to me like it might better be funded by either philanthropic money or potentially public money because there could be a great public good here rather than a commercial good um i don't know what your thoughts are on that marco no no
2: indeed indeed i think it's uh, uh especially for the trials we we're trying to start with pancreatic cancer we're not talking about a huge amount of money depends on, we're not talking about million so and and therefore i think it's relatively affordable and uh And of course, it's a big risk, but it's um, I definitely think as a scientist is a a risk worth taking because it's uh, it's, uh, you know, the benefit of the potential benefit are enormous in my view.
0: Mm. Yeah. okay. And so probably coming towards the end of our chat, um, I was just wondering what your expected time frame is for this progressing this this um, obesity project. Do you you have any? Yeah,
2: it's uh, um, if everything goes according to plan I think in a couple of years we are um, in the position to have the final formulation to move to the trials so this is the ideal scenario so as I said when you go um, in in chronic treatments or treatments lasting long months even in animals you don't know what's going to happen so uh, you know if you gave Drug A, Drug B, Drug C. You know they're safe, everything is good. But you know, long term, you can have uh, effects that are counterintuitive that you do not expect. You can have the, the opposite effect. So, uh, and this is something you need to. You know, setbacks are all over the places when you do research. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and just to look back to the the cancer um, research that you're doing, do you have any sort of t- potential timeline for when something? for pancreatic cancer might be available. Look, it,
2: it, I think it's overdue. We we I we, we, uh, you know, it's quite a few years I'm trying to start this trial and uh, you know, as I said I'm going next next week and going to to Italy to discuss the with the potential partner interested to to fund this research. So see what happen. I'm I hope to start soon. Um yeah. Yeah. uh Philip in a way, a bit embarrassing that dist- this <laughs> trial didn't start yet. But, you know, I've done my best to, to start it, but no success so far. So, for mm. oh, the reason we discussed before. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, fingers crossed that um, this meeting over in Italy <laughs> works well for you because <laughs> yeah, it, it you. does sound like a very uh, interesting and, and valid project that has a lot of potential for yeah. good outcomes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Thank, thanks very much for your time today, Marco. It's been fascinating and you. you've opened my eyes because I didn't know that a lot of this work was happening and that the, these, mm. you hear stories from people about cancer, uh, you know, and cannabis, you know, being quite good to help with cancer. And I always just assumed it was the pain and, and the appetite yeah, loss like, and right. stuff like that. But you, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. But you're actually telling us that it might actually help people recover as well, which is uh, amazing. Mm. Yeah. Excellent. Well? Yeah,
1: yeah, thank you for being, uh, uh, for this conversation. Yeah, it's been absolutely fascinating. Yeah,
2: it was a nice conversation. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about what we are doing. (laughs) Yeah, thanks very much.
0: (laughs) And that was our conversation with Professor Marco Falasca.
1: Yeah, who I did not know that uh, cannabis and all of the other compounds associated with cannabis could influence cancer and obesity. That to me is crazy. But, yeah, just never yeah, thought about
0: it. It's it seems counterintuitive yeah. with, with obesity because obviously we always associate people who smoke weed with getting the munchies yeah. and eating too much and you know putting on weight. So the fact that there's parts of the cannabis plant, um, certain compounds that may help to treat obesity and metabolic syndrome and whatnot is uh, fascinating, really. It
1: is. So, yeah, it, it's, it'll be curious to see, like, which parts of these compounds uh, have certain effects, whether, like, some of them do increase appetite and then some of them decrease appetite or decrease the bad outcomes of eating too much food. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, and, and the, the exciting thing is that it's we're not talking about Long time into the future. Here mm. we're talking like a matter of years. Absolutely. Um, ba- based on what Marco just said, so I mean, and the other thing ab- about the cancer work he's doing, which blew me away, is that I've I've heard of um, you know cannabis being used by people doing having chemotherapy to aid with um, some of the symptoms of or the side effects of chemotherapy, mm-hmm. like appetite loss and pain and that sort of thing. Uh, and I'm sure it gets used in palliative care in some cases as well, but actually been used as a therapeutic treatment to try and reduce the risk of dying from the cancer, I think is that's a whole different ballgame.
1: yeah, absolutely. And as we know, pancreatic cancer has such a low survival rate, so there is so much opportunity to try and increase that survival rate and have better quality of life and if if something like this can improve that, that's that's a life changer.
0: yeah. I mean and the, the hope was outlined there by Marco when he, he sort of said anecdotally that he's met a number of people who've survived pancreatic cancer and coincidentally happened to use cannabis mm-hmm. as well um so you know the correlation I, I feel is like there <laughs>
1: yeah
0: potentially yeah. <laughs> obviously he's he's doing the work to to try and establish that link a bit more um robustly but yeah fascinating Conversation and this episode kind of came out of left field because I was just reading an article on the ABC about you know the headline was around cannabis being used to treat obesity and I thought that's fascinating. Let me have a look at that Mm. and then then it was you know this guy's actually working in Perth, you know Curtin University. Like ah, we can contact that person. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so anyway, yeah. Many thanks to Marco for taking the time and making himself available Absolutely. at fairly short notice. Yeah, we definitely appreciate
1: um, it. Um, particularly for any researchers that come on, we know that everyone's very busy, and the fact that uh, we can reach out a week before and people are happy to come and chat about what their passions are—it's yeah, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, and and we're we're navigating the current outbreak that WA is experiencing with COVID by doing our interviews remotely. Yes. Um, so, we're all in separate places in case <laughs> anyone's wondering, uh, in case it wasn't obvious from the different sounds. Yep,
1: yep, all got different um, sound setups. And I forgot to bring my microphone yeah. today, so I have no idea what I sound like, so who knows?
0: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound too bad. I'm assuming you're just using the computer's internal microphone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can understand you. So. <laughs> oh, good. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Um, so if people want to get in touch with us about this episode or any of the others, how do they do that, Courtney?
1: Yeah, so you can uh, shoot us an email, meaningofhealth at outlook.com, Uh or you can tweet us at health means what. So as per usual, we would love to hear from you guys hear feedback or conversation points or anything that you guys would like to talk to us about. We would love to have those conversations. So please contact us.
0: Yes, great. Um, all right, well, excellent work. And we will be back with everybody soon with another episode. Sounds good. The Meaning of Health podcast is produced with the support of the Education Enhancement Unit and the School of Population and Global Health at the University of Western Australia. The podcast is produced by Craig Cumming and Courtney Webber, with editing, mixing and additional music by Craig Cumming.